Hey everybody, Coach here. You know, evergreens. Evergreens, they are not all known for flashy blooming periods. Some are, but most are not. They are all not known for brilliant color splashes in the fall. But they do stand guard over the green of the landscape year-round, and they will be there when everything else is naked and died to the ground. Deciduous plants, they are there to greet them when they come back out in the spring. They are there to say hi to bulbs as they pop through. And when those beauties awaken, the evergreens are there to say, hey, welcome back. It was a bit chilly out here over the winter. I hope you had a good sleep. We are talking about evergreens this week. Those relatively low maintenance sentinels of our landscape that hang around and do their thing 12 months out of the year. I am glad you found a few minutes to join me and learn a little something here about some of my favorites that I have used over the years. Let's get rolling, shall we? Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. You know, they really do come in all shapes and sizes. Boy, they come in things that grow under 12 inches to trees that grow 200 feet and everything in between. They serve so many purposes in the landscape. Most, most are relatively low maintenance, but they are often overlooked because they're not the prettiest. They're just evergreen. Evergreens offer residential homeowners a very useful, wide selection of plant material that can fill in gaps and provide a visual balance between perennials and deciduous plants, bulbs, and the ever-present flashy annuals that we get every year. Evergreens are not at all a, uh, I guess I can settle for, type group of plants. They really aren't. I think they are quite the necessity and used correctly and creatively, it will create a visual and aesthetic value for your landscape as well. Evergreens are quite diverse. They just all don't have cones and needles. They really don't. They are readily available in the retail nursery world. They thrive in many different soils and range from the tropics to the near Arctic regions. You know, in Residential landscape application, evergreen plants and trees serve a variety of purposes. Let's take a look and see if some are right for your landscape application. Maybe you'll see some or many you will recognize off the top of your head. If I listed all that I have used over the years, this episode would be freaking 12 hours long. So we'll keep it brief and you guys can go seek out these or others of your choosing or liking depending on what your application would be. Let's look at some of the obvious ones, shall we? Let's kind of dwell for the first part of this on pines, cypress, firs, and spruce. There are so many varieties, and yet only a few are raised in the nursery industry, probably 10-15% of the total population of pines, cypress, firs, and spruce. Many folks have these as natives, depending on where you live, they're native in their more rural landscapes, their coastal landscapes, and they place more ornamentals, lawns, cement, and the like around these natives and these big, tall pillars 
that stand sometimes well above, well above our homes, our driveways, and our properties. But for some folks, we'd really like to take a look at more unique specimens that are sometimes special order, sometimes are readily available, depending on the time of year. And I often suggest late winter for bald and burlap type of specimens, and then the springtime. By the time July-ish starts rolling around, a lot of the um, unusuals are kind of gone from the retail world, unless you special order them. And oftentimes that may take weeks, sometimes even months. So be aware. Now, oftentimes the more unique specimens, they're, um, they can be used for different purposes. They can be oftentimes prunes and sculpted into very large bonsai-esque type of uh, specimens, very big sweeping into one direction and hanging over ponds and water features, and deliberately, deliberately containerized for ornamentation out on patios. Take a look at some of these varieties, and I'm not talking about just pines, I'm talking about many different kinds. If we look at pines, the ones that are more readily available are ones like the Japanese black pine, both the standard size and the dwarf size. Mugo pines, which are kind of a natural dwarf pine. They go eh, six feet or less, depending on the situation. Dwarf white pines. Those are neat because they do have that, uh, uh, shall I say, the glitter in their needles. And there's a weeping white pine as well. Literally a pendulous type of pine tree, often used in mounds and rock gardens, etc. There's the false cypress, the weeping cypresses, Monterey cypress, Siberian cypresses, and on occasion you'll see them, especially at Christmas time, the lemon cypress, which actually, if you squeeze the plant itself, will actually have a lemon scent to it. There's always the Colorado blue spruces and green spruces, both in their standard and their dwarf sizes, and one that you can find occasionally and probably find more in the northern climate nursery areas. Northwest, northeast, and that would be the, the weeping Engelmann spruce, which is a beautiful, beautiful evergreen. The ever-present dwarf Alberta spruce, and one that I did as one of my first plants of the week way back, is the bird's nest spruce. You know, many pines, cypress, and spruce get way too large, and that's oftentimes where they're not in the retail nursery world. They just get too darn big for standard residential landscapes. You know, those larger varieties of pines, spruces, etc., they can do some damage. Now, if you get off into things like redwoods and giant sequoias, now we're talking a whole different beast. But the larger varieties can lift driveways, crack sidewalks, and need to reside in kind of a much larger landscape. And when I say that, I mean half acre, three quarters acre, multi-acre type of landscapes uh, where they're away from things. They're, they're notoriously kind of shallow rooted by nature. You could have a freaking redwood tree and 90% of its roots are in the top six feet or less of the ground. So they are lazy plants. They will always seek out water in the easiest fashion. And if that means a irrigated lawn, if that means a leak in an irrigation system or a drip, God forbid, under your foundation, 
I'll guarantee you some of these guys will find it. So don't go after the big, big specimens when it comes to this. Stick to the semi and the dwarf varieties. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about one of my favorites, ones that I grew up with and that I've learned a, quite a bit about over the years. That's the juniper family. A rather wide array of junipers are used in the residential application. I think you probably agree with me on that. I have covered many of them on Plants of the Week. And if you go to the channel and look under the playlist, you'll see a lot of them there. Uh, right under Plants of the Week. Tough? Oh my gosh. Yeah, one of the toughest plants out there. Now, I'm not talking about the native, like the Utah juniper or something like that. I'm talking about the created ornamental type of junipers that are hybridized and used specifically for residential applications. They're often fast growing and they come in varieties from ground cover, lawn substitute type of varieties to privacy screens. They really do fill many, many needs, even in large containers on patios. There are striking examples of easy care and stately year-round usefulness. I mean, if you have some nice uh, Wichita blue or moon glow type of junipers and a large, large type of plant, and then you can put some annuals and bulbs and other things in and around them, hey, when those other things are gone, depending on where you live, you still have that stately juniper there that holds its own throughout the winters, sometimes harsh winters. The thing about evergreens is they never really garner the beauty status, the beauty queen status that some flashier deciduous plants, trees, etc. get. But when those guys are all sound asleep and bare sticks in the yard, these guys, the juniper family and other families, they kind of come into their own. And there they are with snow on them, with rain, etc. Well, let's take a look at some of the junipers as far as uh, their usefulness. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. Some of these too have been used on the plant of the week, and you can look into a little bit more about them if they tend to fill your bill. For screening, I've always turned to the Wichita Blue, the Skyrocket, the Moon Glow, and the Taylor. Those are the, the big four when it comes to privacy screens or large container type of stuff. There's also the Pencil Point, which is a really narrow one and can go into narrow planting areas. There's the Blue Arrow and the old standby Spartan juniper. If you're looking for a juniper that wants to be more of a, a ground cover and stabilizer, then those are generally into the horizontalis varieties. Uh, the creeping Japanese juniper, the variegated Japanese juniper, the blue rug juniper, the buffalo juniper, those guys are really good for staying low, spreading out, and really, really stabilizing hillsides, and or can really be a lawn substitute, period. Some of them can even be for spillers over walls and through rock gardens. And if you're into it, you can take them and make them into bone size as well. Now, as far as junipers for fillers, although I don't recommend most junipers for, at least the filler junipers for small planting beds, eh, nah. junipers do fill very well. I like the natural look of them in much larger beds. They can be backdrops. They can be fillers in the middle of beds. And when I say a large bed, I'm talking from fence line, if you have it, out 10 and 12 feet. You notice that I'm not talking about anything like the Fitzer junipers, the blue Fitzer, green Fitzers. To me, 
they're an old-fashioned juniper. They do serve a purpose in some landscapes. But for the most part, and the, for most of my audience, which is smaller residentials and that kind of stuff, those things just get too big. They really do. But the ones that I am going to mention here in a second, you know, backdrop plants, that some have some variegated color to them. There's one, the Andorra Youngstown juniper, which actually turns kind of a burgundy gold in the wintertime. They really contribute a broad usefulness to the landscapes, even if they are tightly sheared. Yeah, ugh, not really a fan of sheared. I'm not really a fan of sheared almost anything, but they do and they can. And if you like boxes and balls and green meatballs, have at it. Uh, but they do perform well for many years, even decades in some cases. So here's a couple of varieties that you might want to look at that are super industrial strength, even for the brownest of thumbs. Remember the Andorra one? Great winter color. There's also other ones called Gold Lace. Old Golds, which has been around for decades. Uh, the Parsons Juniper, the one I grew up with, the old tam juniper, tamarissifolia, good, good plant, has that bluish green color. Dobbs frosted, which really looks good, has a, just a hint of variegation. And if you're looking for ones that stay very close to the ground, don't forget the blue carpet. And the buffalo juniper. Okay, moving on away from junipers, let's talk about one of the old standbys. A couple of the old standbys when it comes to evergreens. That's the boxwoods and the hollies. They are probably some of the biggest mainstay workhorses of landscapes all over the world. You know, you have your, your English boxwood, both the regular size and the dwarf. You have the Japanese boxwood. You have shillings holly, vomitora shillings holly, Burford hollies, and then you get into some of the large, taller hollies, which I'm not going to cover here today because many times they tend to get a little too big. But you can find some of them. You can find some of them out there. But they tend to get a little, little scraggly in the middle. And for long-term care, I don't know. I just kind of shy away from them. I'd rather you go towards the juniper, columnar juniper ones, or some of the ones I'm going to talk about here in a minute. You know, when it comes to the, the boxwoods and the hollies, this is where hedge trimmers and hedge shears just were evolved from. You know, the, the boxes and balls, the hedges and borders that are created with these kinds of things, the formality that the landscapes take on when these things are in the landscape and they're sheared. Uh, but you know something? They, they stand up to many landscape applications. They sure do stand up to a variety of soils and levels of care. So the, the boxwoods and the hollies are something that most everybody should have a look at. Now, maybe it's kind of boring to you, and I get it. But some hollies, you know, you can, you can find them where you, they are great for sprigs on the mantelpiece if you celebrate Christmas and for wreaths on the front door, etc. Okay, let's move on to the Arborvitae family, also scientifically known as the variety of Thuya. Many varieties are relegated to screening. I know that's how I used them, pretty much. Relegated to screening. These often moderately growing to some that are fast-growing evergreens. They do last for decades, and under the right care and circumstances will oftentimes uh, be very, very fulfilling to bring on over the years and have them screen off, especially if you give them the room to do it. Do not put some arborvitaes, like the green giant, don't put that in a four-foot bed. That's just silly. 
you want to use something like DeGroot Spryer or the Emerald variety in those smaller bed applications. I like them as standalones, especially in odd numbers for corners of beds and stuff in threes and fives. They can also do very well as far as a privacy screen, but it takes a little while for emeralds to get there. Uh, they're not quite as fast growing. And if you look at the green giant thuyas, uh, they're great for windbreaks, snowbreaks, privacy screens, and standalone specimens. And speaking of giants, you know, this is the same family as the western red cedar, an absolute monster of a tree and not meant for the average residential yard. That uh, western red cedar has been used in the lumber industry for a few hundred years and is very, very disease resistant. A beautiful wood for lumber, but not always really available in the retail market. Definitely a special order. But if you have a big piece of property and you want to have something large out there, yeah, yeah, Thuya Placata will, will work you. Now, in some of the Thuya family, there's a couple of varieties that are dwarf as well. My favorite, look into Tater Tot. Okay, moving on. Other evergreens. You know, not all evergreens are the piney, needle-like, cone-bearing, juniper-like. There's lots of evergreens out there, and they can take, depending on where you live, they can take a few harsh climates as well. Not all of them will, but these are some evergreen varieties of trees and shrubs that you might want to consider depending on where you live. Now, where Maestro and I came from, we really loved and obviously used the olive tree and the olive family of trees. We had the Frantoyo variety of fruiting olive. And it made the most fantastic olive oil that I have ever tasted in my entire life. Totally spoiled the rest of our lives. Probably one of the biggest things we miss of Wheat Patch Ranch was the olive oil that it created. It was absolutely off the hook. And we also had some of the dwarf olives around as uh, specimens. We use little ollie around the, the ranch quite frequently. Another one is magnolia. And I'm talking about the evergreen magnolias. You can use the standard ones. However, I would strongly urge you to look towards the dwarfs. I really do when it comes to landscape magnolias. Try teddy bear. Teddy bear is a good one. You'll like that. Loripetalum, one of my favorite plants everywhere in the dwarf variety. Not the standards, but the dwarfs. Gardenias, everybody knows about gardenias. And there are some that are hybridized now that will really take a cold temp. Not something like below zeros, but certainly down into the teens, and it will do okay. Azaleas, God, there's hundreds of varieties. Rhododendrons as well, both the standard and the dwarf. I particularly like the dwarf rhododendrons. If you take a look at uh, some of the euonymuses out there, the winter creepers, there is one particular plant out there that is not well known. It was known 50, 60 years ago as the mirror plant. And now they have hybridized those to fantastically colorful shrubs, three to four feet tall. Look for a Caprosma mirror plants out there. I think there's one that's a beautiful, beautiful one called Tequila Sunrise. Abelias, look for abelias. Very nice variegated varieties out there now. Viburnums. And guys, the list could go on and on and on. You know, if you approach it this way, by mixing evergreens, with deciduous and perennials, 
you can really earn a visual variety that really more closely mimics Mother Nature herself. It really does. Then, when Old Man Winter arrives, these evergreens remain, offering leafy interest when all else is bare and brown. Something to consider. So either as privacy screens, standalone specimens, hedges and borders, seasonal, colorful attractions, evergreen trees and shrubs are the mainstay and should be a part of your well-thought-out, emphasis on well-thought-out, landscape. You know, <laughs> I can't tell you. I get, a little, I get a little giddy when I want to talk about this because there's so many other ones that I'd love to show you. But that's what the trip to the nursery is all about. That's where you go and you start learning on your own. I can give you some incentive there, give you some varieties to go take a look at, but that's what I have for you this week. And I really do thank you for allowing me to bring these thoughts and these specimens to your world. Maybe they work for you, maybe they do not. Just a little caution on some of the bigger ones, that's all. You know, either as a, a front and center attractions or a beautiful backdrop in large beds, evergreens can bring really a sense of solidification and year-round beauty and interest, much more than just flat green lawn, like we covered last week, but rather a well-choreographed mix of a variety of plants which are anchored year-round by these sentinels of the landscape. Guys, thanks for joining me. As always, to your landscape success, I'm always here. If you got questions, fire away. Youryardcoach at gmail.com. Or if you're over on the YouTube channel and you have questions, drop them in the comments below. The website is always available to you. Hey, there's some consultation. There's a great ebook at a very reasonable price and the flagship Homescape 1.0. Anyway, I'll catch you guys next Friday. Appreciate you sticking around. Take care. Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Again, thanks for listening to this week's show and we'll see you right here next week.